to Explore Talks. This podcast is hosted by Explore Life Science, part of Source Group International. This show is dedicated to showcasing success stories of exceptional careers and personal journeys in and around the life science space. Today is the third episode of our Women Who Lead Series 2. We interview female leading ladies across the industry and hear their professional journeys and how they've overcome challenges throughout their careers. My name is Rebecca Lord of Fletcher, and today I'm joined by Dr. Marion Mello. Hello, everyone. Uh, many thanks for having me here, Rebecca. No worries at all. Thank you very much for joining me today. Um, so just a quick overview um, to introduce Marianne. Um, of course, you are the Chief Medical Officer at DemDX, which is an, an award-winning AI healthcare company based in London. And most recently, you have, of course, been listed as one of Forbes 30 under 30. So the DemDX platform is 22% more accurate than Harvard-trained junior doctors and delivers 85% accuracy on first diagnosis. So, Marianne, please do tell us a bit about yourself, a um, little bit of an introduction. It would be lovely to hear about your journey. Far. Uh, well, thank you very much for this very nice introduction. Um, my name is Marianne Mello. I am a general doctor and the chief medical officer of the MDX. Um, I am 27 years old. I was born and raised in Belo Horizonte, uh, which is a city in the southwest uh, of Brazil. Uh, and I think that my journey really started in 2015 when I got a scholarship to do part of my medical degree here in the UK. And uh, when, I, when I came to London, I got really deep into research and I got in contact with several like innovation hubs. I joined like many hackathons events. And uh, I think that this really opened my mind on all the career possibilities after med school that I didn't need to be a doctor. Um, and I really, I, I really started to see myself as an entrepreneur more than a doctor, which was very difficult to explain to my family. <laughs> For example, they still don't understand why I'm a, no a doctor now. Uh, but I think the concept really aligned with the reason why I chose medicine. Uh, I, chose, I chose to study medicine because I wanted to provide a good quality healthcare to everyone. And then later on, I realized that as a single doctor, I would not be able to do that. But dedicating my time to work on new systems or new ways that healthcare could work, it would be a lot bigger impact. And I think that's, that's why I chose this career path. Um, yeah, thank you. That's that's really interesting. I really um, like the idea that you said at the final part around kind of the um, new systems, the career possibilities, taking a different direction from kind of the norm. That's really quite powerful. So um, tell us a bit about the platform then. Obviously, it's what you're here to talk about today. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, my journey with the MDX started in 2016, and the same year that I came uh, to do the exchange here at uh, King's College London, uh, when I met Lauren Gresser, the, uh, the MDX CEO. And we had this idea that we would build a platform that would teach medical students or young doctors to think like experienced uh, experience doctor. Uh, 
what do I mean with that is like there is like a process of how we think through a diagnosis and we wanted to teach that with a with a platform mm. so uh, we made this app and we had over 70,000 downloads I think in over 200 different countries but then later on we realized that we would have a lot bigger impact working directly in the clinical setting than in the educational side of it. Um, and then today we are trying to solve a very big challenge that is uh, first it's the increasing demand demand on healthcare, which we saw like very clear last year with the COVID, but mm -hmm. also the shortage of doctors and how we are doing that. I'm going to give you an example that I think is very familiar for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you ever need to go to A&E, &E, for example, you know that the process is you go there and then uh, someone's going to do a triage just to ask access if, if you are urgent or, or not that urgent, if you can wait a little bit. And then you wait and then you see the doctor and then they're going to order some investigations. Then you wait again, and then you, the doctor's going to see the results of the investigations. So then they're going to talk about your problem, and then you go home. We are trying to cut some of these steps until you see the doctor by upskilling all the healthcare professionals that are not doctors, which could be nurses or physician assistants or other healthcare professionals in general, to do the first part of the diagnosis using uh, technology. So the MDX today is a platform that combines uh, artificial intelligence technology with medical expertise of over 200 medical specialists to upskill this new community of healthcare professionals to do the first part of the diagnosis, order some investigations, or even like do some initial parts of the management mm -hmm. before you get to see the doctor. So when you get to see the doctor, it's more or less everything done. And they can go straight to the point where their uh, expertise is required. We uh, so in more fields. I hospital has been using our platform uh, over the last year, and we uh, noticed that the the nurses now they are more confident with diagnosis. They are ordering three point five times more investigations than before. We reduced the waiting time uh, by fifteen percent. And we reduce the senior consultant time by 20%, which means that the patients will wait less for a, con a consultation with the doctor. And the senior doctors can, can focus on more complex cases, which mm. is very important as well. That's it's really, really impressive. It sounds a really, really incredible platform. And in terms of obviously efficiencies of processes and that's really key as you said especially with um just about everyone coming out of the pandemic at the moment and and getting that through so um obviously that's kind of where we are now with the platform what, what what's the next stage what's what's to come next yeah so um we are still developing uh, the uh, the machine learning uh, algorithm so we are enhancing our uh, ai technology now and we are, it's, it's super exciting that last year we uh, were, we got funding from NIHI and NHSX with this uh, amazing program that's called Artificial Intelligence in Health and Care Awards, mm -hmm. uh, which we are funded for uh, with 1.1 million pounds for a two years project where we will 
enhance our AI algorithms and test in the clinical setting to get all the regulatory approvals to, to be a medical device class 2A. Now we are medical device 1, class 1. Uh, so we want it to be a, really a, a diagnostic tool uh, next year. Um, I think the next step now is testing all the environments. We have few hospitals testing it uh, here in the UK. We have a project with in Rwanda to upskilling uh, all the health healthcare professionals there because the shortage of doctors there, as you can imagine, is even you know is of course exponentially bigger than here. Um, and we are also looking to uh, explore other specialities and also primary and this, this connection between primary and secondary care, where we see that we can have a very big impact there. Mm. Mm. So got quite a bit of a roadmap coming up then, quite a yes. <laughs> next yes. few steps to go. Um, okay, yeah. so moving on to a slightly different topic. Um, Obviously, our podcast today, Women Who Lead, is about um, interviewing successful females like yourself who've been on their journey or are going on their journey at the moment. And I think I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are around amplifying the female voice across both research, medical technology, and perhaps even in medical practice. Um, I think I think in science and, and healthcare in general, uh, I think us women we have a very big paper in there and we already have like a quite big space on on these two sectors it's just uh we need to make the voices the female voice more more accessible and so we need to create more platforms where we can share experience pass advice and create new leaders because we are already there in the sectors we are just not in leadership positions we are not like in the spotlight uh, and I think that we need more platforms. We need like, you know, like your mm -hmm. your podcast is a very good platform for that to make these voices more accessible to everyone and inspire all the females to, to get into leadership positions as well. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, that's good. I completely agree. Um, really good points. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay. So... Again, I briefly mentioned it when I introduced you, uh, Forbes 30 under 30. That's a pretty great achievement and quite exciting. So um, yes. please tell us a little bit more about it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's still a very big surprise for me. You know, I never thought that I would be in this list in my life. So yes. um, I'm super happy with this opportunity. It's still a little bit like shocked, uh, but like very very happy with it um i knew that i my uh lauren the ceo uh, she nominated me last year uh but i never thought that we would i would go through the whole process so in january i knew that i was shortlisted and i was like over the moon you know, and and but i still thought i would not be selected for this for for this list this year i thought it was a bit too early for me but it was amazing and now uh, I'm able to connect with uh, people from uh, that was nominated in the list from the past 10 years from all different sectors, which it probably like add a lot of value to, to me as a leader and also to our company, because I see this nomination as 
uh, validation of what we are doing, that the other people uh, also believe in our, in our vision of how we want to change healthcare. And this is amazing recognition for us. So I might be the face of it, uh, and my name is in there, but I think uh, this is a big recognition for them, DX, and the work that we are doing so far. Um, so I'm super happy with it. Um, well, I, and I just wanted to add one more thing. Uh, uh, the other thing I'm super proud of is that only 30% of the nominees were women. And uh, from, from the 300 uh, people that were nominated this year, as they have 10 different lists uh, for different sectors, mm. only 30% are women. And only 10 of these 300 are immigrants. So I am like a representation of a very, very small group inside the, the list. So I'm super proud of that. I'm super oh, yes, proud of that. That's, that's really exciting. That's such powerful statistics, aren't they? Yes. And yes. I guess that also kind of moves on to the next question um, around how can we grow and nurture more female leaders from different backgrounds um, who obviously were well, in the UK, potentially aren't from the UK, have moved over? What, what do you think, um, how can overcome any challenges surrounding that? I think for us to have more women in leadership positions, uh, like mainly in tech, we need to nurture them while they're still very young. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's when we create this mentality that they are, uh, you know, that we are able to do whatever we want. So, and we are able to to use our ideas to create new products or new systems or everything. So, I think the most important thing would be um, investing in, in education and actually mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship education for women while while they're still young. So then we nurture these girls to think. Uh, that they can change the world and they can they can create new things and can be leaders mm -hmm. uh, from a young age. Um, I think that's going to be the most powerful thing for us to to, to change the landscape of um, of leadership positions and tech right now. We would be investing in the girls. So well, very much year. about bringing in almost practical experiences rather than it all being, you know, at school, you're learning from a notebook rather than getting yes. out and doing something. Yes. Oh, it, oh. Yeah, exactly. And also having those, uh, yeah, having women, having women in on those places to inspire them and mm -hmm. then they can look for something uh, that they can follow and, and see what they can look like in the future. So I think that's yeah, yeah. what we need to do. Definitely, definitely. And um, this kind of naturally flows into the next question I've got is around um, in inclusivity and leadership again across life science and medical technology. And for you personally, um, having been through such an exciting journey already, like what changes would you want to see in terms of that? Obviously, we've briefly touched on more females in leadership positions, etc. But are there any kind of other areas that you um would like to see change, really? Um, well, I, I think we do need a change in every single, uh, all, all areas, and we are, we are changing it now slowly over time. Mm -hmm. um, but like what I see is uh, that the tech sector is very strong here in Europe, and uh, it's very strong in the US and developed countries. 
But if you really want to see like uh, diverse backgrounds and and different ideas, we need to invest in all the countries outside uh, outside Europe in the US and US um, in the new technologies. So, for example, in Brazil, we do have a very innovative landscaping there, but it's it's not like a country where investors are looking for new ideas or or new systems or new technologies. So we are missing some people there. They are not on the on the, those countries that you know they're not like in developed countries and mm-hmm. could contribute like mainly um, to new technologies or new uh, new systems with new ideas because they can see the world in a different way as well. So. Mm-hmm. I I I can clearly see that you know growing up in Brazil and seeing all the difficulties in there and you know and see how things doesn't work make me a good designer thinking thinker for new uh, new ways to solve problems here. Mm. So I think now with the remote work will be a lot easier to collaborate with people from different uh, parts of the world. Um, but we need to invest in that, in that, and we need to start looking for it to understand, like, to have a different view of life and how we solve problems. That's that's really powerful, but especially around, definitely around collaboration. And I think we can all agree that recently that's been very much an emphasis um, around collaborating across um, whatever means you possibly can. Um, yeah, so. Well, we're basically coming to an end, a bit of a wrap up. Um, but I think we've just got one more final question. And it, it does kind of tie everything together. And it's just around the healthcare sector and in terms of technology and what challenges are we currently facing um, across AI, across um, machine learning, across artificial, artificial intelligence? Well, um I think the healthcare sector is the most difficult to sector to implement any new technology, uh, which is understandable because we are dealing with people's lives, but it is a very conservative sector. So mm. it's very difficult for people to accept new technologies um, easily. Mm. Uh, COVID accelerated this process in probably 10 or 20 years and now they know that they can test new so, new solutions and this is not gonna bring like uh, it's not that risky or as the it was the, the people in the in those commission jobs thought that it was before mm. uh, but what i see is a very big challenge is that because it uh, healthcare is a very traditional sector people is still not even not only the leaders but even like doctors and other healthcare professionals we do have like a resistance for change yeah so they're very scared of trying new process they are scared of like they they don't want to change the 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 way that they are they are working right now because they are used to that way we have been doing medicine as the same the same way since forever so it's very difficult to change that process. Um, so I think for implementing new technologies in healthcare, you need two things. First is you need trust. You need then to trust your product that's safe enough for them to use in, in this very risky environment. Mm. And second, we need 
you need to build the product and the technology with the users uh, as there is a very big behavior resistance to use new technology. You need to make it as seamless as possible to integrate into the current workflow. Otherwise, they're not going to use it. If, it's, if the change is a bit, it's slightly too much, they're not going to use it. So you, we need to find ways to implement technology um, without disturbing too much the way that healthcare healthcare professionals work today. So mm -hmm. I think that's for me the biggest challenge. Yes, definitely, De definitely. Well, thank you. Um, and what 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 a great place to kind of wrap up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me today and taking me on your story. Um, it's been really interesting. And um, yeah, it sounds like you've got a definite exciting few years coming up. Um, yes. For the platform and for yourself. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you. Thank you for joining uh, Women Who Lead today. And as I said, it has been really great to listen to your story. Um, now, for our listeners today, um, I will, of course, share Marianne's LinkedIn details. So please do connect with her and reach out if you have any questions. And we are on the lookout for more guests to feature in our podcast series. So if you're interested in sharing your life sciences professional journey with the Women Who Lead team, please reach out and let us know. I'm Rebecca Lord Fletcher, and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us, Marianne. Thank you.